Hey nerds, welcome to episode 378 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, I'm by myself. Jill is currently vacationing in Las Vegas, having a blast. Uh, And so yeah, you're just going to have me chit-chatting for a brief second here before we get to the main event of today's episode. Uh, So today's episode is an interview I did with the glorious debut author Sarah Faring. She has a book coming out this week called The Tenth Girl, and it is unlike anything I have ever read. Um, It's like a gothic psychological thriller. There is a twist in there that is just probably the best twist I've ever read in a book. Um, The best way I can describe it, not the twist, obviously, not going to do that. That'd be a weird thing to do, but the best way I can describe the writing is it's like Shirley Jackson, or if you're familiar with Don Kurtagich's and the trees crept in, like there's, it is haunting and it's going to stay with you long after you're done reading it. Uh, I got to sit down with her at Book Expo America in May and her book is so good that uh, to celebrate the debut, I will be rereading it this week just because I can't get enough of it. Uh, Sarah is delightful. We have since become buddies online, and I'm trying to make her come to Cleveland. I'm trying to entice her with hangouts with my puppies. Um, So hopefully on a book tour, she'll head this way in a little while. I do want to give you guys a heads up. During this episode, it was the day after Sarah's first ever book signing, and she lost her voice. Um, You can hear her perfectly fine in the interview, uh, but you will notice that she sounds a little raspy. But it was the only time that I was going to actually see her in person. So she fought through. She was a trooper. Uh, We had a wonderful time. And uh, yeah, so if you're wondering, we we mentioned it briefly at the beginning. But I mean, you'll definitely hear she's uh, a little little under the weather. But I very much appreciated her battling through. So that was good times. Uh, If you want to get a hold of us, you can, of course, always go to professionalbooknerds.com where you'll find our Twitter and Instagram, which is at probooknerds. Uh, you'll also find our email address, professionalbooknerds, at overdrive.com. And I do want to point out, we got a really lovely email from a longtime listener, and I wanted to kind of give her a little signal boost. So we have a listener named Sage who listens in, and she's really wonderful. She'll she'll check in with us every once in a while on, on Twitter and, and other places. But uh, Sage sent us this wonderful email about some tough times that she had gone through and to help deal with the things that she was going through she wrote a book of poetry and I've had a chance to look at some of it and it's really really good Uh, and I think a lot of you guys will appreciate it too so if you're interested in taking a look at this book of poetry and uh, purchasing it and helping out another uh, professional book nerds listener or if you just want to take a a look at what she's doing you can go to sgdwrites.com that's Sage's website Uh, you'll be able to find it there and also some of her other works so um, this is just kind of an impromptu thing where, you know, if you are working on something and you want to kind of shine a light on it, uh, Jill and I won't be able to, of course, to, to read everything that you guys send our way. But if you want to get a signal boost, uh, send us a link to whatever you're working on and we'll be happy to uh, kind of share it with our little nerdy community here. So, okay, that was just a little quick PSA for listener Sage. Thanks so much for the kind words. And I hope you guys will go check out uh, her website. Again, the, this poetry is really, really cool. So, uh, that's, I think, all of the housekeeping here. Jill will be back next week, and we'll be nerding out about some October books and a whole bunch of other stuff, I'm sure. So, um, yeah, I'm. that's all I've got for you. I hope you guys enjoy this phenomenal conversation with the charming and delightful Sarah Faring 
on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hi, everybody. It's Adam, and I'm still hanging out at Book Expo, and I am so excited to be chatting with debut author Sarah Faring, whose first novel, The Tenth Girl, is generating all sorts of buzz, and it's just the most wonderful book that I have read in a long time. I really cannot put it down. Um, It is gothic, and it's mysterious, and there's so much in it, and it comes out in September. It's going to keep you guessing till the end. So, Sarah, thank you for joining us today. I'm so thrilled to be here, and I was just apologizing to Adam, because obviously... I had my first signing yesterday, and I promptly <laughs> lost my voice. Yeah, we're going to see how this goes. Like I said, we may be doing multiple versions of this interview. We'll see. Um, but while your voice lasts, I'm going to have you do an introduction to The Tenth Girl, because there is no way that I am going to be the one to talk about what this book is about, because I feel like I will give away too much. So I will let you Okay, sounds great. So the book basically opens in Argentina in the 1970s. And we're following Mavi, who's a young woman living in Buenos Aires during the 70s military regime. And her mother is disappeared by the government. She's a teacher. And Mavi decides that it's safest for her to leave Buenos Aires and take refuge somewhere. So she is lucky enough, or rather cons her way into a role as a teacher at a haunted finishing school. Of course, she's not exactly sure it's haunted. Right as we're never sure in advance, but um, when she arrives in Patagonia at this haunted finishing school with a really checkered past, things promptly go very, very, very wrong in a very gothic, over-the-top way. Yeah, it, um, th- that's a really good way of describing it. it <laughs> over-the-top is a good way. So there's so much in here you mentioned. It's gothic, and there's a haunted house, basically, and there's horror, and there's political intrigue. Really, I, what I love is you base this in a country where admittedly like there are not a lot of books especially in america that people would know about being based in that area and i know that it's part of your heritage so it makes sense that you'd want to write about it but what felt so important for you to set this story where you did well back to what you said i just had never read stories like this growing up so it's such an honor to be able to put my own family stories and legends i heard growing up Um, be they from the 70s or way, way earlier, onto the page for young readers. Um, It's such a privilege because it feels very unusual, and I would have treasured this kind of book growing up myself. And I've already had lots of young people come up to me and say, I'm from Argentina and I've never seen this on the page, and thank you. You posted something on Twitter, like some a reaction video of someone opening it, and I was like giggling. I was, it's... It is. I, that made me giddy. Yeah, and I, I mean, I realize I am, like, the most middle-of-the-road human being that exists. I'm a straight, white, middle-class male. Like I, So I never had to worry about that growing up, where it seemed like every book was about me, because I just assumed that it was, because that was my, you know, like, mind not realizing. But I have yeah. to imagine growing up, it was, like, was it hard as a reader to see books that didn't represent, like, people that would look like your family or people that you... I mean, as a reader, you make the best of it. Like, I was able to put myself in the shoes of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. or, um, But you always feel a bit like a fish out of water, like someone who doesn't truly belong. And maybe that's mitigated by seeing stories like that, that kind of the author shares your background or the main character shares your background. 
and um, it's comforting to see that. It's it's so interesting. We were doing this like video thing yesterday with R.L. Stein, which was oh my the gosh. most surreal moment of my entire <laughs> life. But we asked him about the same thing, like building characters, because I remember reading all these Goosebumps books. I never really thought about it as a kid, but the story just starts, and he doesn't do a lot of background about what his characters look like. And he said like he gets a lot of flack for not having like stronger characters, but he does it on purpose because he said he wants his books to be inclusive, and so he wanted anyone who read the book to be able to see themselves in those stories and it was like the light bulb went off in my head i was like oh my gosh rl stein is the smartest man that's ever existed but it it is can i share a secret yeah absolutely okay it's not that much of a secret but i've never said it before so there is a second point of view in this book Mm -hmm. it's introduced in chapter two and i'm also intentionally very vague about giving any identifying characteristics on the page to this character um and people have come to me assuming that this character is a hundred different mm-hmm. things. That's I mean, I'm sure about the, the gender yeah. background. Well, because that way they can kind of project themselves onto that character. That's such a that's such a smart idea. I, so your research involved actually traveling to Patagonia, correct? Yes. Okay, so what was that experience like? Had you been there before? I guess it's like, take us through your journey. So I go to Argentina pretty frequently because mm-hmm. my family lives down there. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going back in October for my grandma's 90th and she's the kind of person who like parties until 6 a.m. dancing. Yeah, so anyway, awesome. digressing. Um, so yeah, I go like once a year if I can. And I went to Patagonia when I was much younger and it always lingered in my mind as this place that's just so desolate and haunting and incredible like you just find a piece there that I find nowhere else Um, and so I was fortunate enough to go while I was writing the book too and was able to add so many extra details from my experience there but I knew it was the perfect gothic setting yeah and I've never seen a book yeah I mean I'd love to hear one there I'd love to read it but yeah I've never seen a book you're absolutely right. I, it's gothic and yeah, you're right. Like I can't think of a book set in Patagonia, I, and it's like my job to know books, <laughs> and I, I also can't. But like, what are some things about that area that people who haven't ever traveled there, like that, you would like them to know, or like things that just well, first of all, there? it's it's massive and so varied in the kind of landscape you get. Mm-hmm. So you can walk on a glacier with the crampons and be crunching over the ice, which it's razor sharp, so you have to wear gloves because if you touch it, it looks so fluffy and lovely, but if you touch it, you would slice your hands. Um, And there are these glacial lakes, which are this light, pale, milky blue Mm. from meltwater. And you're weaving in between these icebergs, but then just a half an hour drive away it's like pampas of just the sprawling terrain that's like you expect well actually you see tumbleweeds Uh like it's it's unreal i I don't even know i answered your question no you did no that's great because like i said it's it's just a location where i I, before this book i I guess i hadn't even like the as a just again a generic human being it's like (laughs) patagonia to me it's like oh it's the company that has the hats that i like you know what i mean like it's like I think a, I have a joke in the book about Patagonia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like literally that's how I feel. I'm like, oh yeah, it's the although like gear I wear when I'm going on a trail run. It's like that's that's Patagonia. Exactly. And then I was like, oh wait, no, it's an actual place out of it. <laughs> um, so 
I know that, you know, I, I imagine it being kind of like the end of the world. It's sort of a thing probably also helped, like, with the isolation, like, putting it as far down as you could possibly do. Um, so, readers who go out and search for reviews of this book are going to find that, like, Ooh. I was looking at reviews, <laughs> and, um, no spoilers, but, like, it makes me laugh because, like, without fail, every single <laughs> one is, like, also the twist, like, at the end. Like, bar none, I haven't seen a single review that wasn't, like, by the way, the ending is insane. So, how did I, we're obviously not going to go giving anything away, but how did you go about, like, crafting what you want it to be, like, this kind of hairpin twist, yeah. I think is how I saw you describe it. Like, so, actually... I began writing this book with this twist in mind, mm -hmm. and that's not normal for me. Yeah. I mean, not that there's really normal for a debut author, right? Yeah. But, um, so I was able to craft it from the very beginning mm -hmm. with this idea I had in mind, what I wanted to explore. And um, yeah, I, uh, it's, it has been a funny experience, though, watching people kind of... I've, I've seen reviews where people are like, this is the hardest review I've ever had to write because I don't know how to say anything at uh -huh. all about it. I'm like, oh boy. But I, like, did, so you said you kind of started writing knowing the twist. Like, I guess yeah. how much of the story did you have planned out or were you just kind of like doing the whole pantsing situation? Like, um, I forget which author came up with his idea, but this idea of being a gardener where you plant seeds and you don't know what will come from them, mm -hmm. but you just consciously plant them yeah. along the path mm -hmm. and eventually get to something amazing, ideally, or nowhere, and have to rewrite the book. So is it just having sort of like plot points, like uh, like kind of key, almost just like key performance indicators, like you would say in right. a business, but like right. almost like specific targets that you wanted to hit? And yes. then you kind of let yourself... Basically weird things I wanted to have happen. Uh -huh. And tightening the spiral. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, as long as I was hitting something pretty weird every so often, I was happy. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you do. Um, what for you when you're reading a book makes a good twist? Like, other than the fact that it's something you didn't see <sighs> coming. But as a reader. When it's really thought-provoking on several levels and when I it feels incredibly natural. Mm -hmm. Um... Sometimes when it makes me angry, sometimes <laughs> my husband was very angry when he got to the twist, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and he loved it. So how do you, okay, so how do you deal with like, a family member being angry? You're like, that's... He was, it was kind of difficult to have someone constantly giving me feedback as mm. he read. Um, most of the time he was raving, but he was also be giving me, I mean, he lives with me, so he understands how I like conspiracy theories about everything. Uh -huh. So he would be like, I think this is going to happen. Is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? I'd be like, relax. But occasionally, uh -huh. he'd say something I hadn't even expected, I hadn't mm -hmm. even thought of, and I'd be like, oh, rats. Yeah. He got me. <laughs> I, I mean, that takes some, like, it takes a lot of confidence or, like, I guess, bravery, because I hate showing my wife <laughs> things that I'm writing. It'll be even stuff that I'm it's writing. Strange. Like, yeah, exactly. And then she'll look at me and she'll be like, do you have my honest opinion about this <laughs> section? I'm like, uh-oh. You're like, and not too honest, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, I did that feel more stressful than like even sending it to an editor? Like, having people that you care about and whose opinion yeah. doesn't really matter? Yeah. Um, also, I, I have very much have this attitude of life's too short to read a book you're not enjoying. Mm -hmm. Like, please, even if it's mine, set it down, set it aside if you're not enjoying it. Yeah. Um, 
and I feel the same with my family. I know a lot of people in my family aren't into the same genres that I'm into. Yeah. Um, so my attitude from the beginning was like, please, it's okay. If you don't want to read it, don't read it. Obviously, they like to get an insight into the dark sides of my, of my imagination. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Level. Yeah. Um, or not. But. <laughs> so, are like the. Do you tend to stray for, as a reader, like to like darker books and things like that? So much. I mean, listen, it depends on my mood. Uh huh. I read very widely, actually. Mm -hmm. But I, um, I don't know what it is. I enjoy books that go to really dark places but end on a somewhat hopeful note, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Okay. I always think about, um, I tell people, like, the biggest compliment I can pay a book is when I'm done with it, I can't stop thinking about it. And very much like your book, which is, like, I, every time I, like, would put it down, I just wanted to, like, get, like, dig my teeth back into it. But, um, and I think a lot of that... With, like, like with Shirley Jackson, I've seen people yes. kind of compared your book very much to like the boys in the castle. Yeah, I like with the whole like unreliable narrator and and all that and like books that I get kind of almost like angry. Not even that it's that I didn't <laughs> like it, but so you kind of get angry at the end. You're like, right. what are you doing? But, like, <laughs> do you find yourself like enjoying books that sort of lie to you? And, and I do. I um, I mean. I'm, I guess this sounds super jaded, but reading so much, I get surprised less and less. Mm -hmm. um, so it really, I'm more interested in the execution now and how someone crafts the story and less just like some mm -hmm. giant twist. But I um, I totally lost the plot. What did you? No, no, no. You're, you, they, you actually kind of touched on something that I, I was thinking about when you mentioned as a writer who writes these types of, this type of book, and you're you probably are reading things through a different lens than, than I would. It's almost like um, I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy, and I will, I love listening to stand-up comedians talk about stand-up comedy, and they'll talk about watching other people, and they care more about the construction of a joke than if there's a huge payoff at the end. Yeah. And I imagine that's probably how you like. Is that how you feel when you're reading kind of like contemporaries of yours now that you yeah. have this book out there? Like, well, I mean, I love to learn how to write from reading. Mm -hmm. So whenever I feel like I can glean something really unique from the way an author has crafted a book, mm -hmm. I'm doing my job. Yeah. Did you find, while you were writing the book, though, that you could still read books that were sort of in the same genre? I imagine it would have to be difficult to, like, not think of the way that other people are constructing things while you're constructing your own story. You're right. I'm trying to think back to when I was writing this, what I was reading. Um, I mean, it was a challenge. I um when I'm writing something completely fresh, mm. I I read super 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 widely. So I could be reading something. Gosh, I love when you're trying to think of something you've read and you're just completely blank. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Um, ooh, okay. I um yeah, I don't know. I. It's <laughs> okay. So how about um how about this? Uh, when you were done, like when you would write like a, a, a draft of this and then send it off yeah. then you begin to work on something else do you have to like step away from this dark gothic type material or is it more so like like cleansing to be able to get this off of your mind because some of the people that I've read um, there's this author Dawn Kurtagic she wrote yes. this book and the tree scrapped yeah. in and I read it before I had ever met her and I remember being like this is 
darkest, most twisted book I've ever read. <laughs> and then I met her, and she's just a lovely woman from Wales, and like, she's the most outgoing, bubbly human being. And I just was looking at her. I like, found that often. Yeah. Because I was just like, how are you writing this? And she told me, she's like, I'm getting it all out of my system, so yes. I don't look like a crazy person. Like, Absolutely. So did you, like, but did you have to kind of step away from writing this type of material? To be honest, no. I feel like for me, the balance was in adding those moments of humor, even if it's dark humor. That's how I was able to kind of make it work and not get too bogged down in the more, you know, heavy Uh aspects of the book. So I think that's just part of my day to day. And I'm so obsessed with all of the themes I discuss. Uh I'll never stop thinking about them. Yeah. Even if I want to take a break, desperately. So do you feel that you'll, like, this is kind of where you want to continue working and writing in? Is this, like, kind of darker gothic? It's always going to be dark, but there's always going to be humor. (laughs) It's always going to be dark. That should be, like, on on your website. Sarah Fair, it's always going to be dark. I needed a tagline, so I've got it now. Yeah. um, Okay, so I have to ask. This has nothing to do with the book, but... How does one go from like investment banking and oh my to writing? Like, what can we just oh, take me on this path? Yes. I, I was laughing when I was reading your bio. I was like, I know. Wait, JP Morgan. <laughs> wait, what? So, okay, so how does how did you oh, go from boy. one to the other? So, I was a um, combination of like a people pleaser and a real hustler in high school uh-huh. and college, and um, I wanted to be just like my dad. Mm. I wanted to be in finance. I wanted to be that person doing the hard banking hours and all that. And um, when I finally got there, I realized like you're putting in so many hours and so much energy and so much time that if you're not incredibly passionate about it, mm-hmm. you probably shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. You know, and it's it's great to have this source of income to pay off loans and to support yourself, but. It's really hard to make it work unless you're incredibly passionate about the day-to-day work. So I ended up sending a pretty wild cover letter and application to Random House Uh out of the blue saying, every day I walk past your office and I dream of working there. I see your lobby, which I don't know if you've seen the Random House lobby. It's gorgeous. It's It's like heaven for bookish people. Mm -hmm. All of these books lit up. Um, And my future boss read that and was like, I'm going to take a chance on interviewing this person. And I got a job there. It was the luckiest moment. And that's where I started writing while I was at Random House. So what were you doing for Random House? I was basically, I worked at Knopf Doubleday Mm -hmm. in the adult side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean... Gosh, that really spoiled me. They're absolutely incredible. Yeah. I have nothing but good things to say. Yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah. trust me, I, I love Penguin Random House. They, uh, I have my good buddies with a lot of people. Yeah. There's so, it's just so funny to me that, that company, there's so many people. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be emailing back and forth with somebody about a book and an author. And then I'll see someone else at a show and I'm like, oh, I was talking to Hugo. And they'll just be like, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> they just have no reference. They're just like, we probably don't work even in the same publishing yes. house or it's, just... it's enormous mm-hmm. um and disclaimer I say this all as a very proud Macmillan author uh, yeah no I listen I, I love them. I'm an equal opportunity <laughs> lover of of all books um 
I so you said you started writing while you were there. It was hard to resist the siren call page. I mean, I'd written when I was younger and I absolutely loved it. But I was so focused on mm-hmm. you know the academic stepping stones I saw as the one that made sense for me mm-hmm. that I neglected that side of things. Yeah. It was such a pleasure to get back to it. Mm-hmm. It's like feeding my soul every day. And I feel a little guilty. I should give a shout out to my amazing boss who like periodically would see me typing something on off hours. Yep. Um, I feel like that's kind of part, uh, like, that's like, like part and parcel. Of, yeah, well, that's like part and parcel with like our company. We're a digital library yeah. company and we're obviously like so many people at our office, right? Like my podcast co-host, Jill, she is about to release her second book. Oh my gosh. And uh, she sits right in front of me and like at any given time, if you come by our two desks, like I'm writing something and she's <laughs> writing something and it's nothing to do with our jobs. And it's like... And you like kind of spy over Yeah, the- <laughs> exactly. I mean, she'll, like, she'll like slide over. She'll be like, hey, what's a better word for? And I'll be like, that has nothing to do with our, <laughs> our company, is it? She's like, no, not at all. So. Um, okay, so towards the end of our podcast, we like to yes. do we call the Nerd Nine. So nine lighthearted questions. Yes, um, awesome. Yeah, they, they're not rapid fire because I go on tangents, but <laughs> I like alliteration, so Nerd Nine. Uh, so the first one is, what's the last book you finished reading? Oh, wow. Okay, I finished very, very recently this book called The Last. Mm-hmm. I'm going to blank on the author. Um, it's an adult book, so I'm going to throw in a YA one, too, because okay. I have to. Yeah. Um, it was basically set at this Swiss hotel, mm-hmm. um, and the world basically ends while this guy's at the hotel. Yeah. And some, a little girl is then murdered and found in the water tank at the top of the hotel. So he spends his time after the end of the world trying to figure out who murdered this little girl. This feels extremely unbrand for you, by the <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> and it's an amazing cover. Um, and it had an amazing blurb from Emily St. John Mandel, who I love. Yeah. Station Love. Uh-huh. Um, and I also just read an amazing YA debut coming out in October called Lifestyles of Gods and Monsters by Emily Roberson. Yeah. It's basically pitched as... Oh, sorry. basically you... pitched as... Um, okay, this is going to sound super strange, but I loved uh-huh. it so much. Keeping Up with the Kardashians meets the like theseus myth and mm-hmm. killing um that's amazing the magnitude uh-huh that's okay Any, that, that sounds really okay cool. I can it's like that. yeah okay she's wildly creative and original that's so. amazing <laughs> um what's your favorite place to read Ooh, by the beach if i can but like under a really intense umbrella <laughs> so it? hiding from the sun but being yeah, by the exactly on a uh, rainy day, maybe at the beach. Sure. Ooh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Do you remember the book that kind of made you fall in love with reading as a kid? Um, a book I cannot get over was The Weston Game. Mm. Did you read that? I did, yeah. It's a really good book. I haven't read it in a long time and I need to reread it, mm-hmm. but I just remember closing that book and being like, whoa. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, what is some place you'd like to travel that you have not yet been to? Oh. Australia? Yeah. I mean, there's so many places. I don't know why that was a question mark ending. Yeah, I I'm you're like... asking me for approval. <laughs> yeah, that works. Uh, what's your favorite holiday to celebrate? Oh, I want to say Halloween because it'd be on brand and I love Halloween. It would be on brand. But, um, man, I'm really a fan of Christmas and Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. I just love that one-two punch yeah. in December. 
and I am one of those annoying people who listens to Christmas music for just like hours on end and oh my gosh Christmas music was playing today there was out yeah, there yeah so we're here and it's, it's May 30 it's May that's there's, there's evil a book. and there's, cruel there's a book that's okay. coming out or something because I saw a giant Christmas tree when I, I got here so. yesterday and I was looking at it like it is the middle of the oh. year you said Christmas and Hanukkah. Are you like me? Are you a happy? Yes, you're happy. Yep. My vibe. Yep, I, we like to um, call ourselves cashews. Really? Yeah, my dad's Jewish and he's non practicing. I have never heard that. Cashew? Catholic, Catholic and Jew. Jewish? Yeah. That's me too. You can use that. Yeah, you can keep it. Sweet. Um, but we, uh, yeah, we would do Hanukkah and Passover and Yom Kippur yes. and everything at my grandma's house, but my dad didn't practice, so we were, you know, we were Catholic. But yeah, I, just, I just heard you say both, and I'm like, oh wait, that sounds familiar. Oh my gosh. Uh, coffee or tea? Tea, because I'm I'm a demon if I drink coffee. I'm an actual <laughs> demon horrible person. That's, oh my god, that's amazing. I say as I hold two as teas you in front of She literally yeah. has two teas in front of her. Um, cats or dogs? Oh, both, all? Mm-hmm. Is that a good answer? Sure, I don't have either, because people in my family are very allergic, uh-huh. so I'm desperate for like any furry friend. Yeah. Well, if you go on a book tour and come to Cleveland, my wife and I will happily invite you. We have two dogs, and I will yes, show you. When we're done. done recording, I'll show you pictures of them. Right. Uh, what's your favorite food? Oh, no. Sorry. Food is like, it's really question. a mood thing. Oh, my. Really? All right. I'm just going to say empanadas right now because I'm craving that, and it's on There's theme. There's a really good stop. empanadas place. Yeah. What? Talk about that. Okay. Too. Okay. Um, okay. Last one of these. Okay. Thank you. Uh, last one of these is... If you could have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would you pick? Tilda Swinton. <laughs> Tilda Swinton is a great answer. I don't know why I thought of that. That's amazing. I'm obsessed with her. You had an easier time with that than the food one. <laughs> I love how that was immediate. Yeah, too. Tilda Swinton. Yep. I have like a million other people I'm trying to too, Probably but I was like, that. okay. Yeah, that works. Mine's Jim yep. Benson. I, yes. that was, yeah. I vibe again. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, last question for you. Yeah. What do you hope readers take away from the 10th girl? Um, a real interest in learning more about Argentina and come visit come down and hang out with my grandma okay awesome that's perfect Sarah thank you for joining us thank you this was amazing readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in marketplace professional book nerds is proud to be an evergreen podcast signature program to learn about other evergreen podcasts visit evergreenpodcasts.com our podcast is produced recorded and edited by adam sokol and jill grunewald and presented by rakuten overdrive for more information visit professionalbooknerds.com Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money.